The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to a late episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host in a city that is not named the District of Champions, Smalls. Chris Smalls Angelos. Smalls, how are you on this fine uh, Thursday evening? Well, it's, you know, it's getting darker uh, earlier. That's that's how this whole thing works with daylight savings and such. So um, although you gain an hour of sleep, everything sucks at about 4.30. It's just completely pitch black. So it's okay. You literally think it's 9 o'clock when it's like 4.15. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really messes with you early on. And then like, then it starts getting colder and it starts snowing. It's no good. It's no good for the body. It's no good for the mind. Yeah, summer's summer's gone. You know, no more going down to the shore. No more Morgan's Pier. No, none of that stuff. And for me, it's really tough because I, you know, the Nats won the World Series last week. I do appreciate everybody who texted me and reached out because actually we got a lot of people that texted me and they were like, "Hey, congratulations!" Or like, "This is going to be a fun game." As you know, Smalls, I I got one over on Bovada Sportsbook. First time in a long time that I've I've beaten a book, so I'm glad it was Bovada. But uh, great moment for me. Couple tears shed. My wife thinks I'm an idiot. I watched every single video and listened to every single thing. Uh, then they visited the White House and kind of ruined the moment. But everything else about it was pretty darn good. And watching it with the hockey game, it was it was a cool moment, Smalls. I've never experienced before. I didn't get to go to the parade because I, I had to fly back to Nashville, as you criticized me for doing. Yeah, but, you're an idiot. I mean. You know, I took. You my- gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta be a grown up sometimes. And what a grown up does is they take advantage of the once in a lifetime opportunity that is a parade, a championship parade, and not just any championship parade. There's something a little different about Major League Baseball. It brings out everybody. You might have had hockey. People don't know what hockey is. They don't know what ice hockey is. You, small as honestly, the one thing that I I'm, I'm sad that I didn't experience and you did. And we talked about this with the Eagles parade, but the first parade for a team, you know, like the first championship that a team brings to a city in their sport. And I'm not going to claim the Nats were like the Eagles. Cause there's not a lot of teams out there like the Eagles and, and how starved Philly was for a Super Bowl. but it was similar, you know, because it's been 95 years since a baseball championship was in DC and, you know, they're doing the freaking parade in front of the white house and stuff. And it just was a very cool moment. And uh, I was a little bitter that I, I wasn't there. But you're right. Sometimes you have to be a grown-up. And unfortunately, being a grown-up is not always the most fun thing in the world. Uh, there was probably about a million people there, though, Smalls. They did, they did really well. So it's a cool moment. Guys like to take their shirts off, you know, have a good time. But now it's dark and, I don't know, it's college basketball season. I guess we're supposed to be excited about that, right? There you go, college basketball season. I mean, you know when college basketball season opens up that – Everyone's going to Bovada. Everyone's looking at the totals. They're throwing ducats down on the total wins for a team. Who's going to win the national championship? And then it all comes crashing down in the first night. People take in Kansas minus one. No way they can you know, not beat by 15. Was that the spread on Bovada? Was Kansas th- minus one? I believe it was one point. Man. I mean, I'm not a book aficionado, but I believe Bovada had it at one point. Small, and that if- game was terrible. It was terrible. Duke beats Northwest Missouri State by six. People are probably thinking, oh, no good, but little do they know. Northwest Missouri State probably probably would win the Division I National Championship this year. 
I will say uh, we should introduce our guest. We have a repeat on this time, Jimmy Fennerty, new job, assistant coach at Temple University, Smalls and I's alma mater, kind of catch back up with Jimmy, talk to him for about 30 minutes, talk to them about talk to him about their season opener against Drexel, which they uh, won 70 to 62. Don't know what the spread on that one was on Bovada, but don't think they covered. And uh, talk to him a little bit about what it's like to change jobs, work at a place where you went to school. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, we, we joke around a lot with Jimmy and uh, he's a guy that we've known for a long time, but it, it was, it was fun to catch up with the guy who was the second guest ever on the show. And, you know, as small as that was like almost two and a half years ago at this point. So it's not like we haven't communicated with him personally. You know, we spent some time with him in Minneapolis. We, we see him when we're in Philly or whatever, but you know, it's a guy that we hadn't recorded with in, in a while. And he was one of the first guys that we had on and one of the biggest believers kind of in our show. And it was really fun to kind of talk to him about his new job, especially going from Lafayette to Temple and, and kind of how he's improved and what their season outlook was. And so I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun thing that we're going to try out and do. Uh, you know, obviously getting guests, new guests during the season and having them, you know, sit around for an hour and 20 minutes is a little more difficult, but I think we're also going to get a little bit of a fresh perspective, a fresh insight in terms of how do you scout? How do you how do you improve during the season, player development wise? And these questions that are to former guests and maybe new people that we can get direct information on that I'm sure young assistants want to know and assistant coaches in general. So we might put a Twitter ABV out there about you know questions to ask. So keep a keep an eye out. And, and especially like guys like Jimmy, and you know, I, I would assume at some point we'll have Quentin Farrell back on, and like you know, guys that they were in one place and now they've, they've kind of moved in, you know, their career is on an upward trajectory or whatever. And that's not to say that guys taking different jobs is always good or bad. It's it, sometimes it's just, you know, it's the right move for you. But I think, you know, having guys like that, that we've had on that were in a specific place when we were there before, when we talked to them and now they're kind of, you know, working on checking things off on their, you know, goal list, I think is really interesting to hear because, you know, in this business, it, it feels like, you know, Stephen Griffin said it best, like run your own race, but it does feel a little bit like a race. And, and I think so having guys on that we've talked to before and, you know, listeners are familiar with and we're very familiar with, I think will be a very good thing to add uh, throughout the week. Again, I am sorry. It is my fault. Too many celebrations last week and then Smalls had a last minute work thing come up. So sorry about this episode coming out on Friday. But, you know, in reality, you guys just want the content anyway. So who cares when it is? But we will be back on Tuesday schedules for now. Smalls, Jefferson, you guys are opening this coming weekend, right? You got a little doubleheader action going on, two games? Yeah, a little opening. Uh, we're going up to AIC. We're going up a little earlier to Springfield, going to uh, practice the Hall of Fame, take a tour uh, with our players. Should be a good trip. Hopefully we can win, play two really good NE10 teams, uh, really good coaches. And, uh, you know, obviously Andy Burkholder is someone, you know, I've coached against in the past. And, Franklin Pierce's are, are always a tough team. So it's a, it's exciting, uh, nerve-wracking, but excited, I guess. That's that's all I can really say. And once the season gets going, you know, it seems to go by fast. So just enjoy it. That's your official stance, excited. I love it. Uh, I totally love it. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm excitable. I'll tell you what, I'm very excited to follow Jefferson with recorded conversations once a week, because it'll be interesting to kind of talk it through, you know, while, because part of the season is, you know, hopefully the Eagles and Jefferson don't lose on the same (laughs) same, weekend. Because that could smell, spell disaster for this. But I just think like part of, 
you know, being a really successful coach is being able to kind of manage your emotions and manage your expectations. So I'm excited to kind of go through this. Not this guy. No, I know. I know. That's why we're going to do it. We're going to do it from a totally different perspective. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we'll check Bovada for the uh, lines on your games against AIC and Franklin Pierce. But other than that, uh, I did send out another round of koozies. So uh, if you've been on the show before, keep an eye out. I'm, I've been sending some extra ones in waves. Well, let me ask you something about the koozies. Uh, Bov- Bovada over under, you know, 11 and a half, the number of koozies we have to send to NJIT until someone actually gets one. I mean, that was ridiculous. Like, Ra- J- Jeff Rafferty, great dude, gets use out of the koozies. But... Uh, I sent him eight koozies to NJIT and, and none of them got to his office. So, I mean, that's really frustrating. And then I had to send him to his home address and he finally got them. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a, that was a, the U.S. mail, it doesn't usually screw up. So I get, I had to have been sending it to the wrong place, but you know, his home personal mail, mail uh, carrier got him to him. But uh, yeah. So if you've been on the show, pay attention to those and I, I will send them until at least we run out or I re up my order. Other than that, we appreciate everybody who listens. If you like what you hear, please do uh, give us a review, rate us five stars, push us up the ranks. Uh, you can reach out to us. We're on social media at Create Your Shot, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, Create Your Shot at gmail.com. You can always email us. Let us know what you want to hear. If you want to be a guest, if you have ideas for guests, uh, things that we said correctly, things we said wrong. Maybe you're a Phillies fan, so you're real bitter about Bryce Harper being terrible. And all those things, totally acceptable to email us about. But uh, enjoy this week with Jimmy Finnerty. I think it's a great interview, and I think this kind of new direction that we'll take some of the episodes of the show will be really, really beneficial for guys in the future. So I appreciate everyone who listens and enjoy this episode with Jimmy Finnerty, assistant coach for the Temple Apple. Right, we are pleased to be joined by a repeat guest, a guy who was the second guest in the history of the Create Your Shop podcast, Jimmy Fennerty. Jim, new job, first game Tuesday night. You are now an assistant for Smalls and I's alma mater, the Temple Owls. Uh, you guys beat Drexel 70-62 to in your season opener, but we kind of wanted to have you on, reconnect, talk a little bit about what's been going on in the last two years. But long intro, how are you tonight? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, to be back on. I've uh, consider myself a friend of the podcast, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to to jumping back on and talking to you guys a little bit tonight. I love it. We were talking before we started recording, and Jim was talking in his normal voice, and instead he put on his assistant coach voice as soon as the record button. You got gotta to. get the assistant coach <laughs> voice going. It's key to honestly. People don't talk about it enough. Key to coaching: have a different voice. You know. So the kids can hear you, the coaches can hear you, and then your friends can hear you. So, Jim, a lot's changed in the last two years. You were at Lafayette, and uh, this past summer, Coach Dump steps down, Aaron McKee steps in, Chris Clark's still there, Raheem Mapp, a lot of guys that you obviously still know, and Aaron, a guy that you were a GA. Uh, when he was an assistant, you were a GA at Temple. But kind of walk us through what happened and, and how you kind of ended up with this opportunity to, you know, go back to Broad Street and, and now be an on-the-bench assistant there? Sure. So uh, initially, um, obviously, everyone knows that Aaron's taken over and 
he and I were, were close when I was a grad assistant. So my last year as a grad assistant, he, he had just gotten started there at Temple. Um, and, and we worked closely together and, and had a chance to kind of keep in touch and, and see on the recruiting trails and talk about guys and, and do some different things that way. And, and then one day I, I get a call and, and he's like, hey, I, I want to talk to you about this and, and see about you coming back to Temple. And, and obviously I, I loved Lafayette, loved the guys I was with and uh, really enjoyed Coach O'Hanlon and learning from him and, and the whole community. But obviously the, the experience uh, that I had at Temple the first time around was one that I'll always cherish and, and the opportunity to come back now as an assistant and to be able to get on the road and, and recruit for Temple and, and hopefully build a, a product that, that all the Temple alums are proud of, like, like you guys, every single night out there on the floor. And, and to be a part of, of the Coach McKee era, I think for me, the two staffs that I was on before this were guys that were really established. So obviously you start working for Coach Thumpf and, and he's, he's had the same philosophy for the last however many years leading up to it with me coming in there. And then I go in there to work for Coach O'Hanlon, who at that point had been at Lafayette for 21 years. So now for me, the, the opportunity to be, to be a part of a staff that is now the first time where they're together. And, and now we're really deciding how Aaron wants to move forward, how he wants to uh, attack the recruiting and attack player development and, and what he wants to do. For me, the, the opportunity to do that and to do it in, in Philadelphia and at the fifth winningest program in the history of the NCAA was just something that, that I, I couldn't turn down. And I, I really was really excited and, and every expectation I have has not only been exceeded, but it's just met my anticipation for how good I think Aaron's going to be and, and how good we could be here as a program. Let, let's talk about that for a second, because like I said earlier, uh, obviously, you, you know, Chris Clark, you, you worked with Raheem, Mark Huber, you know quite well, but it is a new staff. It, it's not entirely new, but it's guys that know each other, but it, it is a relatively new staff. And like you said, you, you worked for, you know, Coach Dunf. We're talking, you know, 30 years as a head coach, Coach O'Hanlon, 25 years as a head coach. What was it like when you got to campus? You know, you, we kind of talked over the summer, you had to hit the ground running, you needed names, got to start recruiting right away. but in terms of the whole staff being put together, whether it be Mark Macon, Jason Ivey, Mark Clark, all those guys kind of getting added at one time, what was it like for you, Jim? Because now you're in a situation where you come back to a school, it's, you're in the American Conference, and people are looking up to you. You know, you're now one of the guys that's on the road, you're on the court, you're an assistant. Like, what was your role when you first got there, and, and how did kind of the staff all gel together to be ready for Tuesday night against Drexel? Sure, that's, that's a great question. I think... Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> the, the one thing that, that I would say is that when Aaron put together his staff, he got a bunch of great teammates. So for me, obviously, you walk in there, you have Monte Ross, who was a heck of a head coach at Delaware, had a, had a great career there, and, and now is doing a great job with us. And he brings such a calming influence to our staff. And, and then you have Chris, who, who was out there working his tail off every single day and is involved in every aspect of the program. And then you have, uh, obviously, you've Coach Macon, Mark Macon, who is the school's all-time leading scorer. And, and for me, I'm looking at him, I'm like, wow, like this is, and this is incredible. He's just such a, a heck of a player, brings a, an incredible wealth of knowledge to our guys. And he and I are in there interacting as if we're equals. And that, to me, is just a testament to him and his humility and how much he values the Temple program. And that's the one thing that, that has really struck me from the beginning is it's, it's a group of great teammates. You got Jason Ivey, you got Mike Clark, you got Raheem Mapp, and, and all those guys, Mark Huber, 
everybody wants to win and everybody loves Temple. So that's the one thing that's been really exciting for me is to be a part of that. So I think sometimes on staffs, when you talk to guys, you hear horror stories all the time and, and there's uh, the ego and the, and the little rat race between the assistants. And it, there hasn't been any of that because everybody has a tremendous amount of respect for Aaron and everybody is, is good teammates. And that, that's been, that's been incredible for me to be around and just to learn from those guys too. I mean, I'm in, I'm in coach Macon's office almost every day, asking him questions about guys and, and, and talking to Mont about things that he's thought about in a different way. And, and I think it's just been, it's been great. Mont's the only guy on staff that doesn't have either an undergrad or a graduate degree from Temple, right? Like every single other person drawing a salary from Temple basketball graduated undergrad or grad from Temple, right? Yes. Uh, Monte and our strength guy, Brady Welsh, those two guys. So like, it's, it's like 90% guys with a Temple degree. And, and that gives it a special kind of feel because now not only are we, but when you're recruiting, I mean, we all chose Temple to some degree. And I think that means a lot more. The fact that an alarm just went off and it's not mine is really impressive, by the way. So thank you for that, Smalls. Well, it was it was mine because this was scheduled at 8 p.m. And then <laughs> I get a text that it's going to be at 7.30. So. Uh, but it leads me, that's pretty organized of me. Um, you're a pretty organized guy. I kind of want to ask how you prioritize when you got to Temple and got the job, how you started prioritizing you know, your day and your task is I think that can be overwhelming a lot of times, especially on a new staff where he, Aaron's obviously a new head coach. He's learning probably a lot on the job. How did you go about doing that? Sure. So it was, it was a quick transition in the fact that, all right, and Tyler can attest to this. I mean, you're trying to find as many good names as you can for the current recruiting class and, and then the recruiting class beyond that. And for us, it was more – the good thing was Chris and Aaron had been there and, and Monte had, had been able to, to do some things before he got hired and was around a bunch of guys. So it was good. It was easy to have those guys have my back. But also to be able to – you're really working. I mean, you're, you're spending a lot of time. I think for, for me, I didn't really have a place to live for, for, a couple, for about a month and a half there because I was just so focused on, all right, I got to find good players. I got to build relationships with, with our current guys. And that, that, was, that was the two main goals for me is that, all right, build good relationships with your current guys so they trust you and be, so you can start to work with them once you get on the floor. And then two, find, find good names, find guys that, that fit Temple, find guys that fit what Coach McKee wants to do and how he wants to play and find guys who want to be at Temple University. So I think that's, that's a really important piece for us as guys who, who embrace what Temple is. Guys, we've got to take a quick break. If you like our show, you're going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One. Join host Mike Trudell and co-host Aaron Larsoul every Monday night as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and staff. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now, back to Jimmy Fennerty. How did, how did you lean on the other assistants? You mentioned like Chris Clark and even you know Aaron and Mark. How did you lean on them to... I guess understand you know, what type of player you were looking for and what type of person you were looking for. Cause it's obviously a change from Lafayette and although values may remain the same, there's a different level of talent there that you're recruiting. And did you lean on uh, those guys at all? I mean, let's be real, Jim, you were, you were beating smalls for 
two years ago, you know? Like, we don't talk about names of recruits. But I'm, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it, Smalls is right. Like, I think it's a great question because it, it is, a, it's a big level up, you know? And, and you're not recruiting against the Chris Anstoses of the world anymore. It is, it is, it is. And, and you, you, the best part about it is that you, you lean on your staff, you lean on the guys who you've been around before, um, the, the guys that you know who have been at this level for a number of years. There's not a there's a difference, but there's not as big of a difference as you would think. I, I think recruiting is recruiting. I think if you do a good enough job and, and find the circle and, and find who has the the juice or the impact on on the player and the other people, I, I think that's that that's really what it comes down to. But when you make that jump from one level to the next, it, there's more you have to know. There, there's more people in that circle. Whereas earlier, it would be all right. Well, one guy has is really talking now it's this guy and this guy and that guy and oh and that guy's connected to this guy so so now you have to put all that together and, and assemble the puzzle is is now much if that makes sense i know that's a little bit of a, a strange now did but. you did you expect that i mean was that something you were prepared for or was it something you learned like in july i did i, I did expect it uh, I, just from talking to a, a bunch of obviously i mean you guys know when you're as you're always working, you're trying to learn about what other people go through too and, and how they're looking at things. So as I was talking to some of the guys that, that I had looked up to, the, the Dwayne Killings and, and guys like that, and, and talking to those guys, I mean, you're like, okay, all right, I understand the Adam Fish of the world. Like they, they sort of give you a, a rundown of, all right, well, this is what I had to do. This is what we ran through. This is how we went about things. So they help you a little bit, but I think I've always been a learn through doing guy. And you just kind of throw yourself in there and you just figure it out. Let, let's talk about that a little bit, learn through doing. You know, this is, it feels like so long ago. I think I was in Charleston when you called me and you were like, hey, I have an opportunity at Lafayette, but it's really only, what, six years ago at this point. What do you feel like, you know, in, in terms of your first interview for uh, becoming an assistant, and even that situation was a little bit different, what do you feel like you've improved at the most over the last five years? I think, and you guys know this better than anybody, I think for me, it's being self-confident in who you are, and more importantly, who you're not. And I think understanding that you are going to be able to accomplish whatever is in front of you by working hard and, and being the person that you are. And I think for me, I was always a little unsure, especially when I first got to Lafayette. And, and you're looking at it, you're like, oh man, like I'm, I'm 24 years old, and I, I got to figure this out. And I think the best thing that has ever happened to me was them throwing me into that situation. And I think that started when I was in, in high school and college when my dad was having me coach things and my college coach put me on the road with him. And, and then obviously with Coach Dumpf, he, he gives you a blank slate. Like if you can do it, he's going to let you do it. So he's going to throw you in there and work out. And, and, then, and then obviously Coach O'Hanlon, the one thing that, that he did, which was better than anything he ever could have done, is that he, he – he gave me freedom. He, he said, Hey, Jimmy, go ahead, go find, go, go get yourself in some recruiting battles. See what you can do. See how well you can represent Lafayette. Lafayette. And, and it, that freedom allows you to grow, allows you to challenge yourself. Now you're going to make mistakes. There's, there's nobody else who, who would agree with that more than me. I, I think there's a lot of people out there that try to act like, all right, I had it all figured out. I did this and I never lost. No, you're going to make mistakes. I think that's, that's the best way that, that I've learned. Um, and, I, and hopefully I don't make too many of them, but you try not to make the same mistake twice. 
how do you deal with kind of the pressure that you put on yourself? Because even though in what you're saying is like being self-confident, like you still put pressure on yourself to make sure you're doing the best job possible. How do you use that as a positive thing rather than a negative thing? Because I do think in this business, especially as you, you know, you move up levels, you know, the pressure on you, not just you in general, but as an assistant coach from like you said, like, because you want to put a great product on the floor for alums and, and people who don't understand, like Smalls and I are both really proud Temple alums, but there are crazy Temple basketball alums where TUMBB is all they care about. You know, like it's the biggest deal to them. And, you know, even though they didn't work with the program, but how do you use that pressure to drive you? I think, I, I guess is kind of my question without allowing it to overwhelm you. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great thing uh, because at the end of the day, you want people to care about what you do and to care about the product that you put on the floor. Uh, that means more people in the fan, in the stands, that, that means more excitement around your program. I think that's huge. Um, but I, I think you have to also understand that, hey, like they value this place because it could be something special and it is something special. And, and for us, that, that is what we have to keep doing. And for me, it, it's nothing's going to mo- motivate me to work harder than I already do. Um, and obviously you work because you love your guys, you love what you do, uh, you love your boss. And, and I've had incredible bosses uh, and that's going to motivate you and the fans are going to motivate you and that sort of thing. But I, I think for, for me, it's always been at the end of the day, you want to leave the program better than you found it. And you want to make sure that every alum, player, the people who built the program brick by brick, you want to make sure that they're happy and they're proud and they can say, you know what, like, I don't know that guy, but I know he's working incredibly hard for this program. I know this program means something to him. And that's, like I said before about, about our staff, that the program is so special to all of us that it, it motivates us in, in sort of a, a self-sacrificing sort of love of the program that, that I think is really going to take us to, to new heights. We keep it up. Obviously, we're early in the season here. You guys are sitting at one and zero after your win uh, against Drexel, and you have Morgan State on Saturday. What type of improvement do you want to see early on in the season before heading into conference play? It's a good question. I think your guys, your leadership, especially losing a guy like Shiz Austin, who who was a tremendous leader, and just just seeing how our guys interact with him when he comes back and hearing how they talk about him, he's just a, a terrific leader. So our leadership is going to develop as the season moves forward and guys are going to become more confident in their roles and more confident with each other. And I think for, for us, that's going to be important. I I think how our freshmen can mature and grow and our sophomores can mature and grow. And, and at some point you're looking at them and they're like, Hey, like you're older than your year because you've played a lot of minutes. You've played a lot of games. So that becomes a, a part of it as well. So, and I think with us, New, uh, somewhat of a new staff, um, definitely a new offensive and defensive philosophy. That part of it as well. Like I, I remember when I got to Lafayette, Coach O'Hanlon was like, look, our, our guys aren't really going to figure this out until January and February because that, that's how long it usually takes for guys to, one, learn what you're doing, and two, develop confidence within that system. And, and for us, that, that's going to be important as well. I, I think everybody wants to be really good at day one. But I think the great coaches have their teams make a huge jump. So from wherever they start at day one to day 700, whatever it is, all right, not 700 seasons. Well, that could be two and a half seasons, you know. Yeah, but whatever whatever it is, (laughs) 
<laughs> We're not game, from game one, here, game one to game thirty. If they can make a bigger jump than everybody else in their conference, I think that's important. So. Jim, let's talk about the jump for a second. At Lafayette, you could have gone thirty and three in the non-conference, but if you didn't win your conference tournament, or thirty and three the season, if you didn't win your conference tournament, you probably weren't making the tournament. You're in a situation now where the non-conference matters a lot more. And it's it's crazy to say that because I'm not trying to denigrate anybody that's in a mid or a low major conference, but this is just kind of the reality of the situation is you can get an at-large bid and your guys' non-conference schedule is absolutely brutal this year as it typically is at Temple. I know USC, Maryland, potentially Texas A&M, like it's really crazy. How, how do you ramp guys up to get them focused right away? Because, I mean, I think as we saw on Tuesday night, even like the Champions Classic, like, those games were ugly, you know? I, I mean, Clemson, Virginia Tech are playing conference games the first game of the season, and, and it looks like guys are just not quite ready to go. How do you as an assistant get guys focused and, and let them know that, hey, these games are the most important game? You know, every game is the most important game of the season. I think it helps when you have guys who are competitive. Uh, and I think for us, we have guys who were pretty competitive. I think the first game of the year is always going to be uh, a mess in that everyone is going to be unsure. There's always that those first game jitters. There's the excitement of of new and and new roles and, and new teammates and and doing all all of, all of those things. I think for us, it's it's just keeping those guys focused on on what they have to do and doing your job. I, I'll never forget we had one guy at at Lafayette. And he was always a nervous wreck before every game. And, and the one game I, I sat him down, I was like, yo, like, don't try to hit a home run on the first play. All you have to do is rebound, run the floor, and just play hard as you've ever played. And, and if you just focus on those three things, whatever it is that's going to come is going to be good because you're, you're focusing on just doing your job. So I think for, for some teams, it's, it's just making sure that they just do what they're practiced and, and not try to do something different because now you have 7,000 people in the crowd. So I think that that can always be uh, tough, but you, you got to try and manage expectations and, and just prepare them for uncomfortability. So I, hopefully that, that answers your questions. I may have delved into coach speak there a little is bit. That a, is that a word? Uncomfortable? Well, now uncomfortability? it is. I mean, we're, it is now. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna we already made a shirt that, so. that says yeah. 1 to 700. We're going to put uncomfortability <laughs> on that shirt too. It's going to have one on the back. Little uncomfortability under, and then seven hundred <laughs> comfort as hell. Anyway, I actually um, am curious about something. How you? Because I think it's different for everybody. Player development is something that pops up obviously in the off season. That's a hot topic, but I'm actually interested and curious to how you approach player development in season, and not just on the court, uh, but how you communicate player development with some of your different players, whether it's a freshman or a senior, and how you might watch film either individually or as a team throughout the season. We always get worried about the next scout or the next team. Sometimes we don't take enough time to look at the last game individually or how can we improve as players. So how do you take that uh, and approach that during the season? So I think it depends on the guy and his role within the team. Some guys may play a ton of minutes and, and they're seniors and they're a little bit worn down. So for them, it's, it's it, to use the, the Sixers term, load management, but it's, it's more of getting them a quick amount of shots from game spots. It, maybe not necessarily at game speed, but just finding them a, a routine every day that they can do and feel comfortable with and still go out there and be confident while also maintaining their legs. 
uh, I think for the young guys, it's learning to become an everyday guy. So if so, for for us, sometimes you have these young big guys, and, and you can give them a routine every day. All right, you're gonna come, you're gonna catch, you're gonna chin check every time you're going middle, and and now they have a routine. And once you go middle, all right, now you're gonna spin back. All right, now you're gonna have spin, and just adding things of that nature to their package so that you start simple and you develop that every single day and then you add more all right and then once you master that you add a little bit more and then hopefully by the time they're juniors and seniors they've not only mastered uh, a ton of things but but now they they can sort of have a go-to move or, or something different along those lines i think it all depends on on the amount that the guy plays and the amount of experience that they have but i think the most important thing and, and this is a Fran O'Hanlon uh, classic here is just making sure that guys become everyday guys. Do you think, do you think Smalls and I had a conversation last week about this, but do you think that you guys self scout or you specifically as an, for your position guys, and then obviously, you know, as you're moving forward and you're scouting opponents, do you think that sometimes self scout falls by the wayside? Like, is that something you have to remind yourself like in the, in season, like, Hey, I've got to make sure that I'm paying attention to what we're doing every day in terms of our stuff rather than like, all right, I know what LaSalle's doing in and out, but if we can't execute what we typically do, I mean, that's something we talked about in the past. Like, how have you done, you know, in terms of watching film and evaluating film over the last couple of years to make sure that you're being able to evaluate on both sides rather than just focusing on the opponent? Yeah, I think the, the one thing that, that the Temple guys have done really well over the past couple, couple of months here is, is we are huge in the film. Like, like Chris, I don't think anybody in the country watches more film than Chris Clark, especially of us. Um, he does a really good job of that. And we're always coming in with, with new things. All right, hey, I saw this yesterday in practice. How could we guard this? How could we – and just different things along those lines. And that's been huge for us. Um, but now with, with the scouting um, season upon us, it's – got to find a balance. And that's, that's really it's what and, – and all you guys, I mean, everyone who's listening to this knows is is as an assistant coach and really as a head coach too, you're, you're pulled in so many different directions and you have to figure out where you want to devote your time. And then in combination with that, find a balance with your personal life as well and your family as well. So you have to find a, a way to, all right, I have to recruit. I have to scout. I have to work with our guys. I have to watch our own practice. And I think it's how you develop that time. And it's probably not the same um, delineation every single day, but you have to divide it up little by little every single day. I think that's that's important. Uh, prioritize your day. That goes back to our first question, so that's perfect. Good way to bring it full circle, Jim. Yeah, See, that's how I know you're improving. <laughs> you're just bringing stuff back full circle, Jim. What are what are some of the benefits? Uh, I think one thing actually, it's funny. Dwayne Killings is calling me right now. That's actually hilarious, but. I should answer it while we're while we're recording. Do it. No, I'm not, it. I'm not going. I don't have the. I don't have my phone hooked up <laughs> to the computer. But uh, I, I'm curious. You went from a place with not a ton of resources, and again, I, I don't. I'm not saying things people don't know. I, sometimes people talk around it. You're now at a place that is. They have more resources in the past. Sometimes they've used them. Sometimes they haven't. In terms of like being able to use, you know, whether it be analytics, whether a different travel budget, how have you adjusted to be able to do to be being able to do more? without trying to do too much, if that makes sense. It's great. It's great. Uh, uh, now, I'm probably closer to the do too much uh, in that category. Uh, but 
it's been, it, it allows you a lot of freedom to chase different recruits and to be the first guy in and to really outwork people. I think that's, that's really important because the answer to the, or the, what is stopping you from outworking somebody isn't going to be resources. So that, that gives you a leg up. And for guys who really take advantage of it, I think they see the rewards of it as well. What do you think? One, one more question for me, and then Smalls has one more. You are a do-too-much type of guy, and I don't say that as a negative thing. I just mean that like, if somebody says, like, hey, Jimmy, you can fly somewhere every single night and see a kid, as long as it's within the rules, like you'll do as much as you can, and, and at, you'll work as hard as you can. You mentioned you know, staying grounded and, and giving some to your personal life. As the season goes, how have you managed that? You know, we're now going to be in the thick of the season here. How have you managed to give enough time to your family, to your significant other, like to make sure that you're not going to burn yourself out? Because you unfortunately fall under the lines of somebody who will work themselves until there's no more work to be done. So how do you kind of manage that? And how have you improved over the last couple of years, maybe even the last two years since we've we've talked, you know? Yeah, I think (laughs) it's a tough question. Because I don't think I've gotten a ton better at it. I think my girlfriend has, has helped me a ton with that. And, and uh, if she was listening, she, she would jump in on that. But I, I don't think I've gotten a ton better, to be completely honest with you. I think that's something that is going to be a lifelong and a career-long battle for me to, to try and figure that out and, and, and how to manage that. And be able to not necessarily turn off, but compartmentalize your thoughts. And when you're you're in one scenario, it's all right. I can't completely think about whether player X is is working on his game tonight at at nine o'clock at night. Uh, you know, and, and you can't completely think about what the recruit who you you really want is is doing or who's calling him. Or, or so you you have to work on it. And it's it's an everyday and like I said, become an everyday guy. It's an everyday challenge to to figure that out. And some days are better than others. Some days you're, you're a little bit more relaxed and, and some days you're a little bit more on edge. But I think that's, for me, just, just based on who I am and, and part of knowing yourself is knowing that every day is, is going to be something that you have to work on. And, and for me, that, that's always going to be something I have to work on. I mean, I only know of one day, Smalls, what, Thursday night at a newsroom in Minneapolis. That's the only time I think I've ever seen Jimmy totally relaxed. Maybe at my wedding. <laughs> maybe, maybe then, too. Those are probably the two nights. <laughs> The great thing about Jimmy, you can always make him unrelaxed. You just, you know, tell him something that's like <laughs> false that makes him super nervous and that will get him going. And I'm the, that's why I'm a bad guy to be around because I'll, I'll really take that and run with it, Jimmy. So you know this now. Don't take anything I say seriously unless I say it twice. Um, but I'll use that to my advantage. Now, last question here from me. And I know I'm probably going to get the coach cliche here, but what are your goals, uh, tangible goals for, let's say, this season and then, uh, you know, uh, going into these next years at Temple? Because, of course, you guys will get a really good runway here. So get better every day would be the coach speak answer. Um, I'm not you gave us that. that. You gave us that one already. Become an everyday guy. <laughs> yeah, become an everyday guy. And then you gave, us be where, you gave us be where your feet are. So those two are off limits. You cannot say that. So, so for, for me, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Aaron McKee and Fran Dunphy and John Chaney and, 
and all of those guys and, and, and all of the terrific players that have come through Temple and, and the fans every single day. So for me, I, I want to be a part of something that those guys are proud of. And for me, I want to make sure that, that we're doing everything we can to make sure that happens. So that's that's my goal. Um, I know that everybody on our staff has that same goal. And we just think the world of this place and of its people and want them to be proud and, and want North Philadelphia to be proud as well. I think Temple's got such a impact in the community. And for us to be something that those guys are proud of and to see someone who grew up in that neighborhood as well to be successful and we're and to be a temple guy and a Philly guy in in that role and, and be able to give them something that that they're proud of is something that is really important to me um and it's probably why i don't have that work-life balance that you guys were talking about so. <laughs> oh man i love it i will uh, let you go because i know your girlfriend is sitting somewhere near you on the couch uh while she's listening to you give these coach speak answers i hope she makes fun of you when this is over but i do want to say Jimmy, you know, Smalls won't admit this, and we don't get sappy on this podcast often, but you are one of our favorite people in the business. I don't say that about everybody. I don't think we talked about this, but when I, in my last year as a GA, you uh, were part of like the summer internship program. And I remember you asking me questions about like the code to the copier and stuff. And now to see you have your own office there and impacting a program that I care about very deeply on a daily basis. Like it's super cool to see. And it's one of the things that like makes me so happy about this industry is you get to see guys who you believe in and you care about, you know, have skin in that type of game. So I wanted to get you back on the show because I wanted to kind of talk through it because, you know, it, it's a lot of fun and it, it's really cool. And as the season started, I just wanted to say, we're really happy for you and we appreciate you joining us. He is at TU underscore coach Fen on Twitter. For some reason, I don't follow him for my personal account. It's probably a political thing, but follow him there. And then, uh, you know, Temple 1-0, 70-62 to 62 win over Drexel. Hopefully you guys go undefeated this season, but uh, we're going to be following you, of course, and uh, best of luck in the future. But thanks for joining us tonight, Jim. No, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it, Tyler. That, that means the world to me, and um, hopefully we, uh, we keep making you proud here at that uh, Temple. So thank you, guys. Have a good night. Smalls, uh, we can keep the stories to ourselves, and uh, have, a, have a good night, fellas. We'll, 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 talk, we'll talk soon.